T-Mobile has invested billions to light up America's largest 5G network from big cities to small towns, including right here in yours. And great coverage is just the beginning. Right now, families and small businesses can save up to 20% versus AT&T and Verizon when they switch. Visit your local T-Mobile store today. Plan savings with three lines of T-Mobile essentials versus comparable available plans. Plan features and taxes and fees may vary. It's Hardline on News Radio 930 WBEN. This is Dave Debo. For the balance of the program, Meet the Press, by the way, comes your way at 12 noon. But for the balance of the program here, we'll be talking a little bit about state government. They are in the throes of, I don't know if we call it budget negotiations yet, but certainly the budget process. And Assemblyman Ray Walter is with us. He's a Republican from Amherst. Now, but before we get to the budget and before we get to economic development, and there's a lot of things I know you, you want to uh, talk about. Thanks for being here, by the way. Uh, let's pick up on the segment that we had just before this, looking at the Child Victims Act. Right. Um, it's something that is still pending now. Tell me where it stands. Yeah, that, well, thanks, Dave. Thanks for having me on. Um, to, the, um, uh, it is something that's been uh, in the Assembly. It's come up uh, and voted on. I, you know, I certainly voted for it. Um, there has to be a compromise uh, along the way in order to get everybody on board. And there is, uh, you know, there's certainly concerns uh, about uh, some of the provisions of the bill regarding the look-back period. I mean, there's a reason for statute of limitations. Evidence gets old. People's memories get uh, cloudy. Um, but, you know, we are talking about some heinous acts, and we need to make sure that these are opened up for prosecution and uh, that the victims do have an opportunity to get some settlements here. So you're in favor of it? Y- yes, I've voted for it in the past. Um, they're just, I think we need to compromise on some of the language of the of the bill in order to get it through. Um, we certainly, <clears throat> we should certainly look at opening up the criminal statute of limitations because, uh, you know, the standard of uh, evidence is much higher there for a conviction. Um, and I think that's uh, that's a good way to go. And once you have that criminal conviction, automatically, you know, you should uh, you'd be able to proceed civilly. And it would not necessarily, although it's being talked about certainly in the context of clergy abuse, this would not be specific to the clergy. Right. Absolutely. I mean, certainly we know it's certainly very high profile cases uh, with the uh, with the church. Um, and the thing we have to remember, though, this would apply to every municipality in the state, every town, every county, every village, every school district. And, um, you know, when we start opening that up for uh, litigation, uh, millions of dollars that are going to be funded by, potentially funded by taxpayers in the, at the end of the day, uh, we certainly have to take that into consideration as well. And that's the opposition, pretty much. Well, I think that's a, and I think that's a legitimate concern, especially when we're talking about a civil proceeding where, you know, it's more likely than not, you know, it's like a 51% evidentiary standard. Uh, and that's, that's a little bit more concerning sure. than on the criminal side. Uh, where you don't have to convict somebody beyond a reasonable doubt. All right. 803-0930 is our number. We're going to move on to other topics now and specifically look at, I guess, the state budget to the degree we have one. Uh, We have to have one in place by April 1st. Last year, yeah, you had the agreement by April 1st, but the voting took you, what, one day into uh, the second or something like that? Oh, we were weeks into it before we actually had a full budget agreement. Where does it stand now? Usually, my understanding, and and I'm sure this is not as... uh, broad an understanding as as what you have because you're in the process. 
My understanding is that uh, the Assembly and the Senate basically wait, and once the three men in the room give you a big uh, pile of stuff to look at, you start looking at it. That's not really the way it plays out, though, is it? Yeah. I mean, you know, the governor presents the budget in the middle of January. Then we have budget hearings, and we've just finished up all of the budget hearings. We have, um, you know, all the department heads and uh, commissioners in to talk about uh, their particular budgets, and it's a joint session, you know, joint uh, hearings with the Assembly and the Senate. Here's why I put it that way, though. Uh, to what degree does the stuff that you do in the hearings make it into the package that gets negotiated by those three men? Uh, right now, we're going through a process where, you know, every uh, Assembly person and senator on the issues that are really important to them are reaching out to the leadership in, in both the houses, saying these are these are the topics that are important to me. I want to make sure this is in the budget. When you go to negotiate, this is where uh, we want to be on these particular issues. And then what happens is each house in a couple of weeks will take a vote on uh, our uh, assembly budget. Okay. And that's what the assembly proposal, that kind of lays down the marker of what the assembly wants. The Senate will do the same thing, and then there'll be uh, conference committees and they'll go and they'll negotiate with the with the governor, and that's where the three men in the room come in. So they don't do this independently. They they really do have this this platform sort of that comes from the the bodies. The, yeah, absolutely. Every every member will have input on what's going to be in that final package that they go and negotiate. Now, you know, certainly some people have more influence than others, and and you know, at the end of the day. When you uh, when you go down to negotiate, it it is just the three men in the room making the final decision, and what gets left out and what gets put in sometimes isn't necessarily what the broader membership of each house wants. But I think uh, to a lot of people's conception of it, uh, the fact that those three men in the room get armed by everything you guys have already done uh, seems to sort of escape notice. Yeah, I mean, it, it's definitely not uh, the best way to do things. Uh, you know, there isn't enough input from each of the members, and there is, uh, un, you know, way too much influence uh, at the top. It's really not a democratic process in, in any way, shape, or form, but there is input from, from the rank-and-file members. Now, bearing in mind that you are in the Assembly, and you are a Republican, and the Assembly is led by Democrats, um, what do you want to make sure gets in the document that the, assemb- the rest of the Assembly takes down the hall? Well, the you know most important thing is the governor's proposed billions of dollars of tax increases. Uh, New York State is already one of the most uh, the highest tax states in the in the country. Um, that's the last thing we need to do is be increasing taxes and fees through various uh, mechanisms that the governor's proposed. So, a number one, we need to make sure we stop any sort of uh, tax increases in this budget. Um, you know, there's plenty of ways to close budget deficits. Uh, that don't involve increasing taxes in a in a state that already taxes way too much. I just want to point this e- out. Even too. with a state budget deficit that's perceived to be four billion billion with a B dollars, it, it's a hundred and sixty billion dollar budget. So four billion isn't you know a big number to begin with. But four billion is just a made up number that the governor proposed. You know, okay. normally he takes into account a two percent spending cap that would lower the budget deficit down to one point seven billion. We've also had a, a much larger influx of tax receipts in the last quarter of last year after people kind of held back waiting to see what the federal government would do. So that really closes uh, that budget deficit automatically. So rounding, let's say the deficit is $2 billion. I, it, I think it, I, I don't know that there's actually a deficit. Okay. And in reality, there's never a deficit because we have to pass a balanced budget no matter what. Gotcha. So, I mean, the, the, the reality is this wow. deficit talk is is something that the governor has put out there so he can look like a hero when he comes in and closes but, it. But, but the, the working figure of... of 
theoretically here $2 billion then. Uh, that's something that can be bridged without a tax increase. Absolutely. I mean, we could just we could How? start with the Department of Economic Development and the money that they're wasting on advertising uh, uh, two hundred fifty-six billion dollars. Uh, I mean, not just the I love New York, but the open for business nonsense that the governor is basically running campaign commercials for himself all across the state. And this is not the way that we should be spending economic development money. Uh, you know, there is there are plenty of places to to cut and to trim and to um, bring back. Let, let's not forget the state of New York is smaller than the state of Florida. The state of New York budget is one hundred and sixty something billion dollars. The state of Florida is about $82 billion. Mm. More people in Florida, yet half the budget that the state of New York has. What are we doing wrong? Well, we have an income tax. They don't. Well, that's, that's generating the money to, to pay for what? That, you know, they're not, they're not spending in Florida. I mean, come on. This is, it just doesn't make sense. We spend way too much money, and people in Florida are doing just fine. 803-0930 is our number. State Assemblyman Ray Walter is here. And uh, we'll get to the phones in just a second, but I have to ask you, you said you don't want new taxes in there. What do you really want in there? Is there is there a program that absolutely has to be part of the state budget? Well, we have to make sure uh, that we're funding our schools. Education is the most important investment that we do make in this state. Um, uh, roughly $20 billion, 20% of the uh, of the state budget is is dedicated to to school funding, and we need to make sure we're making that investment. That's the future of the state, not just in our K through 12 schools, but in the SUNY system as well. We have one of the you know a, a great system of public uh, universities throughout this state, and we need to make sure that they're not being starved. And really, the governor has, uh, for all intent and purposes, ignored SUNY over the last four years. To the phones we go. John in Rochester kicking it off for us once again. Hi, John. Thanks for joining us. Hey, Dave. Hey, hey Ray. Ray, one, one area that really kicks me off about the governor, among other areas, is uh, when he unilaterally increased the minimum wage for all state employees. And and to me, that's a uh, that that violates the trust of the uh, taxpayers out here. Uh, the other the other thing is the borrowing. It, we we might budget uh, uh, have the budget. Uh, neutral by the end of a, a session, but the problem is, in order to do that, you have to borrow, and that doesn't include the state authorities. I'd like to get your uh, comments on that. Well, absolutely. The governor has a history of uh, doing an end around the legislature when it comes to uh, minimum wage. Uh, he's actually made a proposal uh, recently to use the uh, State Department of Labor uh, to end the, the uh, tip credit for uh, restaurant workers. Now, I've talked to uh, bartenders and and waiters and waitresses servers throughout uh, my district and they're opposed to this. They don't want to see their tips go away uh, just and make fifteen dollars an hour. It's not it's not good for the owners of the restaurant and it's not good for the servers of the restaurant. It's just not a good plan. But he's actually cutting the legislature out of the process and going right to the Department of Labor. We need to make sure that that doesn't happen. Um, you know, regarding our borrowing, borrowing is absolutely out of control. In this and I was surprised. John John mentioned uh, borrowing can be done to balance the budget. So technically it's not balanced, but you borrow and you say then it's balanced. Well, you're, you're not borrowing to fill holes in the, um, you know, in the general fund or, or things like that. What, you're, what they're doing is they're borrowing for different projects, whether it be infrastructure projects or economic development projects. Uh, that's where the borrowing comes in. And then, uh, as as John pointed out, 
that doesn't include the state authorities. The state authorities have the most, the largest part of the debt, whether it be the dormitory authority or the thruway authority. Uh, that's where the largest part of our public debt comes into play. And the state of New York, the taxpayers of the state of New York, back that up. And when the governor unveiled his budget, he talked a lot about uh, infrastructure projects, mostly around New York City, airports there, et cetera, et cetera. Is that in the budget budget, or is that through the authorities? Is that separate borrowing? Where does that stand? Much of that is through the authorities. The, the, in order for the state of New York to borrow, we have to go out to the public and get a referendum to borrow. That's what it says in the in the state constitution. That's very rarely done. I think of, uh, in the past, the Environmental Bond Acts, where, yes, they went to referendum and people said, yeah, okay, go ahead and borrow this. A couple of years ago, there was a, a, a bond act for uh, improving technology at schools, uh, about a $2 billion offering there, and that and that passed and was authorized debt of the state. What we're talking about, though, the vast majority of the debt of the state is taken on by uh, other entities, whether it be, like I said, the Thruway Authority or the, you know, the the, 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 the dormitory yeah. authority, which is the largest. The Tesla borrower. plant was somehow funded by the Foyt Schuyler Commission or some such. Right. So right. that that's where that's where this is happening, and that's but it's still backed up by the state of New York and the taxpayers of the state of New York. Bob in Buffalo, you're on now. Hi. Hey. Uh- I wanted to ask a question, uh, knowing that we do school tuition uh, uh, for uh, illegal aliens. Sandy Beach did a show this week uh, in which a questionnaire was given out. And uh, it was uh, the question was asked, uh, uh, how do we feel about illegal aliens holding public office? And I uh, was wondering if you can uh, enlighten me on, uh, on this. Are we going this way? I remember the program, and I think in a lot of cases, and Ray, you can tell me more, people will put these questionnaires out not necessarily as a marketing document, certainly to raise issues without saying that they're going to support those issues, but to get it out there in the public and and, and gauge what might be going on. Yeah, that, that, that's right, and that's why that was in that, that survey that uh, uh, the senator put out, and it's just to raise awareness about what's going on. There's a bill in the in the New York State Senate. There was a bill in the Assembly uh, that would give create a New York State citizenship uh, and you know, give illegal um, aliens the right to vote and hold public office. It's absurd. It doesn't. I mean, it's just the most ridiculous thing you ever could could think of. But and, and the, if the questionnaire <laughs> comes back and says gazillions of people think it's ridiculous, right? Then he now has ammunition to to oppose. Absolutely, and and that's it. It is something we should certainly be opposed to. I can't. But you have to remember who we're talking about. There is an assembly district in this in in Queens where of the 125,000 people in the district, 50,000 people are illegal. <laughs> so, I mean, come on. That's who they're representing. That's who some of these folks are. Uh, that's who the people are in their district. And so that's where they're coming up with these ideas. But think about that. You know, when a district like mine, we have about 128,000 people, um, your vote is diluted by people in New York City or in other areas where – um, you're not getting full representation by actual citizens. Bill and Chictawaga, you're up now. Hi. Hi. I just want to clarify something. Did the guy call in earlier? He said that Cuomo raised the minimum wage of state employees. Is is that correct? And did I hear correctly? Yes, he did. He by executive order, he he raised them a couple of years ago, um, and then and then um, through uh, legislation through the budget, um, they through a compromise with the governor. Uh, saying that he wouldn't use a wage board to 
raise minimum wage through every industry like he did with the fast food workers. But I thought, no, but I mean, you're talking about state-employed employees? Yes. Okay, like, what occupations are you, like, talking about? Anybody who the, the, the secretary gets a at check the from the DEC yeah. or whatever, right? Yeah, the, any you know any uh, any employee with the, in the state of New York who um, was making below that that marker, whatever he said it. How, how much of that was was a symbolic gesture? Uh, isn't much of that decided by contract? That were there actually state workers making less than minimum? Um, I, I don't I don't know the specifics, but uh, yeah, there definitely was some that were below the fifteen dollar hour minimum wage. And that raised them raised them up to that. All right. Rather than take our commercial break and then come back with only a minute or two, let's uh, delay that. We'll do that right before we hit meet the press at 12 noon and squeeze in one more call here. Ray in Orchard Park, you're on the air. Hi. Hi, Simon. How are you, sir? Good. How are you? Good. Uh, the one thing that uh, we're concerned about, a lot of my friends and, and, co-wor- and co-workers and other people, is this uh, the governor's proposal to eliminate abortion where people can ab- women can abort babies all the way up to the time of right before birth. Um, I hope that the, as an assemblyman, that you listen to your constituents on this and push the governor to, you know, to uh, not do this and not be part of it and, and speak out about it, because I'm not seeing much about from the media or anybody else regarding this matter, except in the, uh, you know, some concert, you know, Catholic uh, diocese are putting out and, asking them to call their assemblymen and, and, and senators about this. Is anything pending there, Ray? Uh, it's something that the assembly um, Democrats have pushed over the last uh, few years, and there's actually been uh, votes on this, and, and the governor decided to put it into the budget this year, and basically it would take uh, you know abortion out of the penal law uh, completely uh, and eliminate all, all, uh, all restrictions, all... Um, everything uh, on abortion. So you could go into the ninth month uh, of pregnancy and have an abortion without uh, any penalty, but even worse than that. And I think that if if, if people understood this better, uh, they would all be opposed to it. But you would take all, um, all legal protections for an unborn uh, child uh, away. So if someone was to attack a pregnant woman and, and, and stab them or, or, or cause them to have a uh, an abortion in some way, uh, there would be no legal protections or legal penalty uh, for attacking that unborn child. All right. And that is, uh, that is just not the way uh, we should be uh, conducting our society. 30 seconds left. We're not going to get into it too deeply, but tell me, give me a prediction. Do you see either house doing something on school safety and guns? I, I certainly hope we do something on, on school safety. I mean, that is, uh, you know, we can we can all agree that there needs to be more um, security in our schools, and that's something we should be able to come to an agreement on. We've proposed to uh, an emergency commission to uh, to study, you know, what exactly we can do to kind of harden the schools. I mean, after nine eleven, there we we changed the way we did uh, flight and, and and security at our airports. We should have done this years ago with our schools as well, and we need to make sure that our children are secure. I mean, as a as a father of a a son who's in high school and a and a son who's in um, elementary school. This is something that concerns me every single day, and and making sure that security in our schools is much much tighter uh, should be a priority. And we can leave the philosophical arguments over guns 
you know, to the side while we fix this immediate problem. We really need new phones. T-Mobile will cover the cost of four amazing new iPhone 15s, and each line is only twenty-five dollars a month. New iPhone 15s? It's better over here. Only at T-Mobile, get four iPhone 15s on us, and four lines for twenty-five bucks per line per month with eligible trade-in when you switch. Minimum of four lines for $25 per line per month with auto pay discount using debit or bank account. $5 more per line without auto pay, plus taxes and fees. Phone fee 24 monthly bill credits for all well qualified customers. Contact us before canceling account to continue bill credits or credit stop and balance on required finance agreement due. $35 per line connection charge applies. Ctmobile.com. 